Good evening, Calvary family. Let's stand in the presence of the Lord. Let's welcome him in. Let's get ready for another Friday Night Live. Father God, we welcome you into this place, Father God. Fill this place, Father God, with a sweet aroma, Father God.
salvation, the author and the finisher of our faith. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be that holy name. Glory to God. Glad to be a church tonight. Yes. Even on the hot and humid days, it's still good to be at church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank God for AC and fans. But if we didn't have that, I'd still be here. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're by yourself at home, give yourself a little shove and say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs>
snatched me out of the pit of hell. I don't know if you remember the date and time, but I remember the date and time. I remember what I was wearing. Glory to God. I remember how I got to church. I remember who I was at church with. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am so grateful, so thankful, so glad that he chose me. I was King Dirtbag. <laughs> and while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. I am just overwhelmed by the love and mercy and the grace of God. Hallelujah. I hope you are too. He is so good. Hallelujah. That is one of his attributes. His goodness. Welcome back to another Friday Night Live. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is July and it is hot. It has been a steamy day. I have been under a ridiculous looking hat and a suit and sweating my guts out all week long. They are forcing me at my job to wear the whole getup. For some reason, there's like one or two people in the building that I work at. Seeing me in that ridiculous hat gives them a warm and fuzzy feeling inside. And there's like little, little sweat dripping down my face, creating little pimples under my eyebrows. TMI, sorry. So, you can tell I'm, I'm just overjoyed about wearing the hat. Anyway, well, God bless you folks. I'm so glad that we made it for another week. The Lord has brought us here. He has saw fit to grant us another day where we can breathe, where we have beating hearts, where we can love Him and serve Him and uh, serve others. Another day that we can hear His word, that we can touch Him. Hallelujah. Another day that His ear and His heart is open to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This month, July, we are starting uh, a new series. Uh, Pastor has deemed this month the book of Proverbs, Proverbs month. Woo! All right. One person is excited. Glory to God. <laughs> yes, the book of Proverbs is very exciting. And uh, so for the first three weeks, it's going to be myself. The fourth week, so in July, this five Fridays. The first three weeks is me. The fourth Friday is going to be Minister Al. And the fifth Friday is going to be Brother Renee. So, very excited. We are literally going to be covering several books of the book of Proverbs, which is a pretty amazing book. And we start looking at it and uh, digging into it. How many of us have, um, wait, let's pray. Master, we thank you for this precious and privileged opportunity tonight uh, to invite you into our presence to hear you, to read your word. Uh, help us, give us wisdom and understanding and insight into your word so that we can know you more, know you better, and become more like you, and become more like the person you want us to be through the cleansing of your word. Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that right now that you would touch every single person that's out there in internet land, I pray that you would reach them in their living rooms just as if though they were sitting in these cushy purple seats. Yes. I pray, Father God, that you would touch us collectively as a body. 
make us whole, hear us, uh, speak to us tonight, Lord God. Teach all of us, even teach me as a teacher, Father, because you, Holy Spirit, are the teacher that Jesus promised us. So we surrender to you. We submit unto your chain of command. We submit to your agenda tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Even so, Lord. Um, the book, you ever have a friend who is like really wise? And I don't mean like smart, right? Because wise and smart can sometimes be two very different things. There are some people that are very smart, but they are not very wise. Right? Some some infamous people that have been in our culture, you know, that have committed some of the most egregious crimes throughout history have been some of the smartest people, but have definitely not used wisdom. Right? Who, who can think of a person who was really smart but was unwise? Can be a real life person in history, can be a person from a movie, can be in your uncle who lives in Puerto Rico. Anyway. You think of a person. Say it again? Uh, what's that guy's name? I know Leonardo DiCaprio. So uh, Julio just said the guy from Catch Me If You Can. It's a, it's a movie about a real life guy who was amazing at forgery. Right? He was, uh, he was making checks from Pan Am or one of those major airlines and he was cashing them. He, at one point he was making pretend he was a, an airline pilot. Did he actually fly a plane too? Oh my goodness. Good Lord. So he, he created like this whole elaborate uh, life that was totally fake. He was very smart, but he definitely was not wise. Right? And I know he spent some time in prison. Later on, he wound up working for the FBI. Uh, how about Bernie Madoff? Really smart guy. Really smart. He created this hedge, um, what was it? No, Ponzi scheme. He ripped people off for billions and billions of dollars, and uh, he, he, he wound up dying in prison. As a matter of fact, maybe a year later, or a couple of years later, his son hung himself because, you know, the name was now stained. Um, so, being smart and being wise can be two totally different things sometimes. A person can be smart, can be wise. I actually had a, um, had a social studies teacher in high school who tried to help me. This guy named Mr. Offerman. He saw that I was a crazy metalhead and that I like to cut class. And uh, he actually connected with me and talked to me a little bit about music. And he was like the only class that I showed up to in high school. <laughs> but I really, I really had a great deal of respect. Now, he wasn't the smartest guy on the planet. But he was very wise. He knew how to capture me and pull me in. Got me to come to his class. Solomon was a very interesting biblical character. Right? And so tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of lay a foundation. I get the privilege of being the first installment of this whole Proverbs thing. So I get to set it up you know, before anybody else hops in. Um, so the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon, King Solomon. If you know from the Old Testament, 
you had the kings of Israel, the three most notable, the three most popular, King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. Uh, of course, Jesus was the one that came from the lineage of King David. That King David had a son named Solomon. And Solomon was nothing special. He wasn't anything special. He wasn't born particularly special. Right? Um, Solomon had an opportunity. If you would turn in your Bible to, what is it? 1 Kings. I didn't copy it down. Shame on me. I think this is it. Yes. Solomon chapter, I'm sorry. 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3.
Solomon, again, was nothing special. He was simply heir to the throne of Israel, the second king of Israel. Of course, we know that Israel, God never intended to give Israel a king. God wanted it to be a theocracy where God was king and man would serve him and worship him as king. But the people demanded a man. The people demanded to have a physical person because they were looking at the other nations. So God gave them King Saul. That, didn't turn, that went okay for a little while, but it didn't turn out great. And then King David shows up and God kind of says that David is sort of like the cat's meow. He's a man after my own heart. He's the only man you read about in the Bible that God said that about. But Solomon was special because God had blessed him with wisdom. And ultimately, Solomon became, I would say, the second wisest man to ever walk the earth. Who was the first wisest man to ever walk the earth? Who? What's his name? Yes. So technically, Jesus is a man, but he's also God. But because he's God, he's way smarter than any normal human could ever be. So Solomon being the second wisest. What's amazing about the book of Proverbs is that you essentially are able to get into the mind of Solomon, the wisest man, uh, second wisest man that ever lived. Right? How valuable is that? How extraordinary is that? How many of us know that the book of Proverbs has a purpose? You know it has a purpose? Let's read. Turn it in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to look at 1 through 6. Or 1 through 5, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, everybody say wisdom, wisdom. and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, everybody say understanding, understanding. if you seek her as silver, now it's it's personifying wisdom as a female. He does that within the first few chapters of Proverbs. He says that wisdom is like a female, like a woman, like a, like a, like a virtuous woman that is a blessing to you. Um, and search for her as hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Everybody say knowledge. Knowledge. It is God's desire that we obtain wisdom understanding and knowledge from His Holy Word. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's the purpose of Proverbs. Can I get an amen? Amen. The whole reason that we have Proverbs is because God wants us to have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Glory to God. So we read all the time in the New Testament, we read in the Gospels, we read in the Epistles, because what we want to do is we want to be able to demystify this kingdom life, right? The kingdom of earth, we, we're trying to bring it here. I'm sorry, the kingdom of heaven, we're trying to bring it to earth, right? We're trying to be kingdom citizens in a, in a place that is completely not heaven, 
right? Is it easy? Somebody say, heck no. It's definitely not easy. So we look at the epistles, we look at the gospels, but the book of Proverbs, although it's Old Testament, although originally it's written by Jews and at the time for Jews, the Proverbs are applicable to us. In fact, it's applicable to all of mankind. Even if you're not a Christian, you can use the principles that you find in the book of Proverbs in your lifestyle, in business, and it will do for you exactly what it did for Solomon in his time. Hallelujah. Amen. So the first nine chapters are sort of like a setup for the book of Proverbs. It's interesting. There are a multitude of warnings in chapters 1 through 9, right? So 1 through 9 we find chapter 1 has the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 1 also talks about shunning evil counsel, right? Essentially warning us against listening to people who are evil or wicked for counsel in our lives. They give us advice. Um, he talks about the call of wisdom, chapter 2. He talks about the value of wisdom. Unfortunately, there's too many young people today that don't understand the value of wisdom. They think they know it all. Right? It comes from a spirit of rebellion and pride, unfortunately. Hallelujah. Uh, chapter 3 talks about guidance for the young. Solomon was very concerned for the young people of his day. Did you know that? He was very concerned for the young people. He knew that it was important. You ever hear the scripture, uh, train your child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it? That's Proverbs. That's Solomon. He understood well that wisdom and training for wisdom, understanding, and knowledge starts when you're little. Um, chapter 4 talks about security and wisdom. Chapter 5 talks about the peril of adultery, right? Uh, Solomon's pretty smart. He's seen some things. And what he's doing, he's giving you, he's literally giving you the lessons that he's learned from his own observations. Yeah, Solomon, I'm talking about you. I'm going to have to call you back in. Thank you, Doc. No idea who that was. Solomon, what he's doing is he's literally giving you the lessons of his observations. You're getting observations. So the warnings of chapter one, chapters one through nine, uh, again, gives you all of these dangerous promises. The folly of indolence or laziness. He talks about the wicked man. He talks about beware of adultery. He talks about uh, the wiles of a harlot or the devious or cunning strategies of a harlot. How many times have you heard about a guy who got with the wrong girl and she totally destroyed his life? And vice versa. Because we know men are no, angels. Glory to God. Right? He also talks about chapter 7, the crafty and devious harlot. He talks about in chapter 8, the excellence of wisdom. Chapter 9, he talks about the way of wisdom and the way of folly. When we get to chapter 10, Solomon shifts gears a little bit. And so from chapters 10 to 22, 
you'll find that Solomon continues writing in a specific format. He continues writing in a very specific Hebrew type of poetry. Right? So in Hebrew, in that type of Hebrew poetry, what he's doing, he's giving this, this kind of thing where he's doing a comparison or a contrast. He's showing on the one hand you have this, but on the other you have this. And sometimes he's not even contrasting. He's just making an observation and letting you kind of think about what's already self-evident about that. Right? So like if I said, um, I, I observed Brother David Bellow crossing the street while looking down at his phone. Now, I don't have to tell you that's a bad idea, right? It's inferred. It's self-evident. You'll see a lot that Solomon does that also. But there are some things that he explains. Um, and sometimes he uses hyperbole, right? He, he makes something sound ridiculous. Um, in, the, in the chapter that we're going to look at right now, one of the things that he says, um, like vinegar on the teeth and smoke in the eyes is like sending a lazy person out to do, to do a, a job for you, right? It sounds a little ridiculous. It's hyperbole. But it's a way of describing something that makes you think, right? Solomon, in a way, was kind of the Arsenio Hall of his day, right? Anybody ever watched the Arsenio Hall show back in the 90s? He used to have a segment of his show called Things That Make You Go, Hmm. You remember that? Things That Make You Go, Hmm. It's neither here nor there, but he had like cre creepy long fingers. He used to point at people, and, he, and from watching in your living room, you'd be like, whoa. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm, from King Solomon. So tonight we're going to look at chapter 10. We're going to go through a few of the verses, if not all. And we're just going to look at them and discuss Before we do that, does anybody here have like a favorite proverb? Nancy, you have like a favorite proverb? You don't have one favorite proverb? I just read the book and I thought it was And you loved it, right? Yeah. Okay. Anybody? Train up a child in the way that he should go. That's one of my favorites. I have another one that's really awesome that the second I start saying I know it, you're going to know exactly what it is. You're probably going to even finish it for me as I quote it. It's in Proverbs chapter 3. Anybody? Anybody? Going once? Trust in the, in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct thy paths. Right? I'm sorry for the King James, but that's how I first read it when I first started coming to church. That's Proverbs chapter 3, I think that's five, 5 and 6, or 4, 5, and 6. He says some amazing things. Hallelujah. Still no one? No, nobody has a favorite proverb? Okay, I still love you. I'll tell you what, next Friday, I'm going to call on everybody to, to 
quote a proverb. All right? You don't have to quote it from memory. You can write it down if you want. But you better come prepared with one, whether it's your favorite or not. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, yeah. Let's look at verse 1. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. 10 verse 1. So again, chapters 10 through 22, there's a dynamic shift. There's no longer these, these full chapter explanations or split chapter explanations. He's literally taking different subjects, expressing them in two lines. Now here, here's why, by the way. Since it's a book that's meant to give you wisdom, what he does is, and he's so amazing, he takes these ideas and he puts them into these little bite-sized nuggets that are easy to memorize. I think that's why it's written this way, right? Because you don't have to remember a whole chapter. You can remember one two-line deal and you have an extraordinary sense of uh, the idea that he's talking about, right? Verse 1 says, A wise son makes a glad father. A wise son makes a glad father, but, everybody say but, a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Right? So that's one style that Solomon uses. There's the but in the middle, right? And uh, I know that sounds bad, sorry. There's the but in the middle, and that's what he does to split the contrast. The wise son versus the foolish son wise son and a foolish son, right? How, is it impor how important is it to God that we honor our parents? Right? It's a commandment. The only commandment with promise. If you honor your father and mother, your life will be prolonged. You'll live a long life. You hear that, kids? If you have a short life, it may be your own fault. Hallelujah. I, I digress. But a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Verse 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. How many I can't remember how many times I grew up as a young person watching some friends of mine who uh, resorted to selling Weed. Usually it was weed. They weren't selling anything heavy. But I would see friends of mine, and like when cell phones were first coming out, they had the cell phones, and I thought, man, these guys are so cool. Right? And then they had the, the I remember the leather um, uh, goose down bubble jackets. I'm going back. I'm talking about high school, right? And I remember, the, I remember thinking, man, I would love to have one of those. And so, you know, you would hear things, about them doing things that were illegal or unscrupulous to gain money. Right? They were selling things illegally. Not wise at all. And generally, it would not last very long. And I know if a, there are a couple of people that I knew that wound up in jail very early on in their lives, which of course started a trend that carried on throughout their life. Right? Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. But righteousness, everybody say righteousness, righteousness, delivers from death. 
righteous, living in a righteous manner keeps you out of trouble, out of trouble that will lead you ultimately to death. In our case, as Christians, we can now say, right, remember I told you this is applicable across all of humanity? As, as Christians, what we're talking about, when we consider death, there is a twofold death. There is the first death, which is the death of the body, but then there is the second death, which involves the lake of fire, right? I know, it's crazy. We just went through the whole book of Revelation, but if I, I would be remiss if I did not mention hell, right? Because when we're talking about wickedness, and we're going to see wickedness quite a bit, we're going to see uprightness, we're going to see wickedness, we're going to see righteousness, we're going to see several words that kind of allude to uh, a, a certain lifestyle. And we have to understand that a specific lifestyle leads to a specific end. Amen? And another famous proverb that I love, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. It's another proverb. Proverbs are really cool. I don't know how many I actually remember, but as we go, I'll probably remember more. Verse 3. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. Famish. Famish is an Old Testament word for starve. Right? Um, an Old Testament word for filling yourself. That doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't have to be food in a sense. If you read the next line, he says, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. What does that mean? That means we can be filled, but those who are wicked can never truly be filled. Right? Um, when, when Jesus spoke to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, he said, woman, give me water to drink. And uh, she says, you don't, you don't have anything to drink with. And he said, if you had asked me, I would have given you rivers of living water, right? You, you would never be thirsty again. When you, in, when you have a true encounter with God, when you then belong to him, when you then are repented and, and living for him, you are filled. Wickedness does not fill you in that way, right? A lifestyle of wickedness leaves you desiring for more and more and more. Working in Midtown Manhattan, unfortunately, I know a few people that are very highly paid and very highly narcissistic and frankly wicked, right? And they have more money than they could ever spend in two or three lifetimes but they are the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. And are continually unhappy until they make somebody else miserable. That's, that's really sad. That's really sad. Yet, I drive a really old car that sometimes are falling apart, right? I, I live in a kind of a busted up apartment I live in the Bronx, not midtown Manhattan, right? I ain't nobody special, right? But I come into work with a, with a song in my heart every day, right? And I recognize that I am just crazy, ridiculously blessed. I hope you realize that you are crazy, ridiculously blessed. But those who are wicked, 
The proverb says, but he, capital H, the Lord, casts, I'm sorry, where the heck am I? He, uh, but he casts away the desire of the wicked, meaning they can never feel fulfilled the way that those who are walking upright can. It will never fulfill them. Glory to God. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? God is so good. God is so good. Remember that this is the wisdom of Solomon, but where to get it? The Lord. So we're literally listening to the counsel of the Lord through Solomon's writings. Amen. He who has a slack hand, verse 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor. Slack hand is an Old Testament description for somebody who is lazy. Anybody here ever met anybody that's lazy? <laughs> Some of us have risen, put up two hands and a foot. There are some lazy people in this world. Make no, make, make no mistake. And uh, I know you feel like the only lazy people work at your job with you, but that, that's not true. They're all over the place. Because <laughs> that's kind of how I feel at my job sometimes. But praise the Lord. Um, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who has a slack hand, or he who is lazy, becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Rich. Now, this isn't necessarily something that's going to lead you to heaven. Right? It's not something, it's not something that totally has eternal value, but it's common sense wisdom. Right? And that's part of what's so beautiful about the book of Proverbs. Glory to God. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Now, I know none of us are farmers, right? But what it's talking about is the idea of putting forth your best efforts to support your family, right? What we're describing is a wise son, excuse me, who, does, who gets involved and puts his hand to the plow for the harvest. Who's the harvest for? It's for his family. In that season, in that time, a family would own a little plot of land. They would, um, they would sow the land. They would let the stuff grow. They would reap it. And then they would sell it. And it would be a concerted effort of the family to benefit the family for the survival of the family. Right? And the, the idea that it's talking about a son, again, um, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. When you're doing what you're supposed to, when you're supposed to. I don't know about you, but I get into lots of discussions with my teenage children about doing what you're supposed to, when you're supposed to. Doing what I told you to do, when I told you to do it. Doing it right then and there, instead of waiting for five minutes after this video game. Next week, next month, next year, eternity future. Hallelujah. Right? Um... Anthony, I love you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Uh, blessings are on the, verse 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. If you are living righteously, 
for God. If you are living righteously for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, if you are living righteously for Jesus, because you have the fear of the Lord in you, right? What's the fear of the Lord? Avoiding sin. Avoiding sinful behaviors. Why? Because you know that there is a very real God who is omnipotent and omnipresent, who is everywhere all the time and can literally see everything you do. Who again died for you, gave everything for you, so that because of his righteousness, you could be forgiven. So the fear of the Lord is that sense inside of you that says, I don't want to do that. It's, it's an affront to my God. Right? Hallelujah. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. When you are walking righteously, blessings will come. And I'm not talking about money. It may be money. Somehow in, in this American, Americanized gospel culture, we have turned everything into money. But it's not. And it doesn't have to be. Right? It can be grace. It can be favor. It can be restored relationships. It can be forgiveness. It can be a million different things. All applied to your life. To your family's life. Glory to God. But the... But the but, the, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. You know, we find, we find there are people that we find in our lives um, many times when they are not living for God or they are really just living an untoward life or a, li a wicked lifestyle. Um, a lot of times it's followed by violence. Right? I know that in my own home, as a young person, my parents, my, my mom was in a, in a relationship with a man who, you know, was a drunk and beat her, right? And not a one of us knew God. My, my father's um, mother dabbled in the occult. She was, she was dealing with some witchcraft stuff. And I'm not saying that that's completely the cause of it. I'm just saying that when you are living a godless life, one of the things that a lot of times is pervasive which naturally follows is violence. It's a, because there's, there's a... Don't be mistaken. The devil is real. Now, he's not responsible for everything that happens in your life. He's got bigger fish to fry than to mess with us little people from the Bronx. Right? He's probably in Washington, D.C., you know, messing with politicians. And he's, he's, not, omnis he's not omniscient and omnipotent and, and omnipresent like God. He's not that. He can't be more than one place at one time. So for those of us who feel like, oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. No. It's just not true. It really isn't true. Sometimes we mess ourselves up and we want to blame the devil. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Right? If, if, if it were contrary to that, then the Bible would be a liar. God forbid, God cannot lie. Right? Violence covers the mouth of the wicked. If you are wick living a wicked life, it's a high probability that violence will follow. Violence usually comes out of the mouth. Matter of fact, just last night, I got called to uh, go to a young lady's house. 
um, who was experiencing some uh, domestic violence. She, you know, her boyfriend slapped her in the head with a cell phone. Her baby was in her hands, eight month old, eight, seven or eight month old baby in her hands. They got into a confrontation. Cops had to come. She didn't want to go in the house because uh, she was afraid that he would stab her. The cops opened the door. He was sitting there with a knife. And uh, this, is, this is a young lady who has known the Lord, um, who has turned from the Lord, and has found herself in these crazy relationships that have become violent. And it's, in, in, and it's a progression, believe it or not. Right? It starts off one place, but it continues to progress. Now, you would think, oh, well, if she originally belonged to God, if she knew the Lord, then why wouldn't the Lord protect her? That's a good question. Is God not good? He's amazingly good. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is sovereign. Sometimes he has to pull back his hand of grace over our lives. Right? That's that, that's that crazy question. Why does God let bad things happen? That's tough. That's a tough one. Most of the things, it's not something that God is making happen. It's just the natural course of things. Sometimes he uses certain things to pull us closer to him. Amen? And that's a hard pill to swallow. I know. I get it. But if God is truly sovereign, if he's truly sovereign like his word says he is, then we have to trust and believe. We have to know that he is God and he is good. And he's got a plan. Hallelujah. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is blessed. I may not be able to get through all of them. The memory of the righteous is blessed. Right? How many people can you think of that have passed on that when you say their name, a smile comes to your face? Right? There's a joy that comes to mind. You know, especially if they're like moms, you think about the, the flavor of the, those pastelillos that she cooked or whatever it was that she used to cook for you, that it comes back, right? And, and those moments come back. But the name of the wicked will rot. How many names can you think of that when you say it, people cringe, right? A name like Hitler. What comes to mind when you think of the name Hitler? Does Solomon know what he's talking about? The, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. The wise in heart will receive commands. Commands in this text uh, also kind of means instruction. Uh, also, um, criticism. Not criticism for beating you down, but criticism to learn you something, as we would say in the Bronx. To better you. Right? Sometimes there are things that we need to hear that we don't want to hear. And if somebody truly loves us, they will say that thing. And we may not be happy about it, but if we take a moment and focus and concentrate on what they've said... Um, and we allow it to take root and, and, and find its place and let it grow, it will make us better. Can I get an amen? amen. 
The same young lady I was talking about yesterday, we had a conversation. I told her, I said, listen, you desperately need your mom. You desperately need her. You may not think so. You may not feel that way. I know that you've put her name to the ground. But the truth of the matter is, and something that you cannot deny, she's always right. Right? She constantly tells her daughter things. Listen, don't do this. The, the guy that we were just discussing, she told her, he's going to wind up beating you. Sure enough, that's where it went. But she would not receive commands. She would not receive the wisdom of that instruction because of a rebellious heart. How many of us know that we can turn, we can tell God to shut up by responding with a rebellious heart? Um, but a prating fool will fall. A prating fool. Prating is talking too much. I know we all know somebody that talks too much. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> we all know somebody. <laughs> or so they think. There's nothing worse than a fool who talks too much. It's painful. You don't want to hang out there too long. Oh, got to go. Late for a... Uh... It's nice to... Yeah, I, wanna, I really want to hear that one, but maybe next time. See you later. You keep it moving. That kind of person will fall. They will fall. The wise in heart will receive instruction, will receive commands, but the prating fool will fall. If you're talking too much, you're not listening. There's no room to intake the wisdom. You just, because you think you know everything, you're going to... And you're not going to receive it. Verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. Somebody say, nothing to fear. I tell the guys on my job all the time, listen, man. Well, all you have to do is walk on water. First thing I do when they come in, when the new guys, I tell them two things. Two things. First thing, you got to grow a thick skin. You need to have a thick skin, right? You can't let things people say turn you into a blubbering buffoon, right? You're not here for their respect. You're here for their money. I know that sounds bad, but in my industry, that's true. If you showed up and what you were there for was their respect, you'd, you'd quit in the next five minutes. Because a lot of them just really don't respect people. They feel because you are on their time, they're paying you for your time, they can say whatever they want to you, and you've got to swallow and smile and say, Hi. <laughs> but deep down inside, no, I won't even go there. All right? He who walks with integrity walks securely. There's, a, there's a, a, a very common phrase that I will not say in church, but it's, it has the, the, it's an acronym, C-Y-A. Cover your blessed assurance. Right? Particularly in the workplace, you have to walk with integrity. In your, in your building where you live, in the church that you go to, wherever you are, you have to have integrity. You gotta do what you say you're gonna do, 
right? Say what you're going to do and do that, right? And, and don't play games with people. Walk with integrity. And you'll live securely. It's, it's this liberating feeling where you know nobody has a, a thing to say about you. No one, can, no one can accuse you of anything because you've done everything within your power to make sure you got it right. So, when those people do say something, if you have walked in integrity, you can freely say with the utmost joy, oh, you just hating. You just hating on me. Don't be jealous. It's okay. I'll teach you how to do it if you want. Um, he who walks with integrity walks security, but he per who perverts his ways will become known. He who perverts his ways will become known. How many of us have that person at the job or at your school or that is around you frequently that everybody knows exactly who they are because they can't be trusted? Right? Yeah. There are those people. And people avoid them like the plague because they know. Oh, that one? You know, I'm not against anybody, but she will use you up and spit you out. The second you become inconvenient, or the second she can't get anything from you, or he can't get anything from you, or use you in any way, they will toss you under the bus. And you will get hurt. So be warned, right? He who perverts his ways will become known. People become infamous because of their unscrupulous behavior. Hallelujah. He who winks with the eye causes trouble. That's an interesting one, right? In our current culture, winking has sort of lost some of its um, sting as opposed to in the day that Solomon wrote it. A winking person back in Solomon's day is a really bad thing. They're, they're sneaky. They're, they're, they, are plan they have a heart with a plan to do malicious intent, to do evil, right? They're an in individual with an evil heart, right? In our current society, it's, it's a different thing. Like if I, if, you know, if I look at my son, right, we're, we kind of have like a secret thing and we're kind of just being silly, I go, right? And it's fun. It's a playful thing. But in Solomon's day, that's not what it meant. Right? It means that they have deep in their heart um, some, some kind of a misdeed, uh, an, uh, uh, a sinful thing that they want to do. They're looking to cause trouble, looking to cause somebody harm. They're looking to do wrong. But a prating fool will fall. We've already read that one. Ver uh, verse 11. I'm going to do two more and then we'll end. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. How many of us know that it's really important that we watch what we say? That we're very careful with our words, right? It's, it's echoed again in the New Testament where I think it's the Apostle Paul that says that there's the power of life and death are in the tongue, right? Our, our tongue can be very useful to give life, to bring forgiveness and restoration but we can take somebody out with our tongue we can do great deals of uh, who, who was it a couple of weeks ago somebody was up, up here Ross. Ross said it yeah you're right 
He said, Word, uh, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will cripple you for life. Right? And he's absolutely right. There are things that you can say to a young person that will have them believing a lie for the rest of their life. So much so that there are areas of their life that well, they will never succeed in because we have said something to them that has caused them to believe a lie. Something that has literally crippled them mentally and or emotionally. The mouth of the righteous, those of us who are walking after the instructions of God, after the word of God, when we are righteous, our mouth speaks life. In fact, it's a well of life. What does it well do? It provides life to a town, to a city, to a region, to a people for a long period of time. Sometimes you can tap a well, and the well will continue to give you water for generations. Right? The righteous, the mouth of the righteous can be exactly like that. Right? We can be in the Lord 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and within that time, we can bless people with the things that we say and encourage them and build people up for generations if we're walking righteous, righteously. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Again, uh, another echo. Right? Slightly different idea, but it leads to the same thing. So we're looking at the righteous but then we're looking at the wicked. The righteous versus the wicked. Comparisons. Contrasts. Verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all sins. Kind of sounds like Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they shall be called the sons of God. Is that the right one? Am I quoting it right? Help me, Julio. Come on, you're the Bible answer man. I believe that's what, what the quote is. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Some of us are, are, are people that, you know, during our, our family events like Thanksgiving... And, you know, we all have family that don't like each other. Or family that have, like, these long-standing gripes. Like, you stole my Kit Kat when we were 12, and now I'm 48, and I still hate you. Right? Some of us are the kind where we will try to intervene and help by trying to bring out the importance of forgiveness, of loving one another. Hey man, we're family. Knock that stuff off. Who are you talking to? Why? That's your, that's your brother. That's your sister. That's your cousin. That's your uncle. We can't live like that. We're blood, man. Right? And they'll get back and forth into the tit for tat and they'll go back and forth with the little petty nonsense and you'll try to stay away from that. You'll try to steer them clear of it. And you'll try to bring the idea of love. That's a really powerful thing. Love covers a multitude of sins. If we, can, if we can learn how to love one another, those petty arguments, those things that, that happen 
it's easier to just let it go. Hey, man, you know what? Let's, let's not highlight that. Why don't we highlight what's good, what's pure, what's righteous, what's of good report? Let's think on these things. Let's love. Hallelujah. Love covers a multitude of sins. Yes, I got it right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. We know hatred is wrong. We know hatred is bad. We know hatred is destructive. We know hatred leads to bitterness, violence. Hallelujah. I think we'll leave it there. Love covers all sins. It's because of love that Jesus went to the cross. And he covered all of our sins with that one sacrifice. With the blood of sheep and goats and bullocks and doves could not do. The sacrifice of the Son of God did once and for all. Hallelujah. So we didn't get to finish this chapter. Feel free to read it on your own. Remember, you have homework next week. And Julio, next week, can we get one of the screens up? I see you got a group of guys up there now. Maybe you can have one kind of tinkering on the laptop, maybe, possibly. Fingers crossed, toes crossed. Um, so for those of you online, for those of you that are here, Find one of your favorite Proverbs. Right? Write it down. Next week, if we can have a screen, text it into the chat, and, uh, and we'll share it during next Friday Night Live. Hallelujah. God's Word is amazing. Truly, He wants us to know what's best for us. Right? He didn't just plop us here on this earth and leave us on our own with no way of finding our way. He did more than just give us a compass and a map. He literally gave us an instruction manual for life, complete with uh, a perfect list of a code of conduct that we can follow and be successful. Guaranteed success. Somebody say guaranteed. If we just chase after the word of God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the wisdom in your word. We thank you, Lord God, that we have your mind in this book called the Bible. That we can read it. That we can know your heart. That we can know your perfect desire and your plan for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My prayer tonight is that you would help us to hunger for it more than ever before. Lord, I don't need signs and wonders. I don't need them. I don't need to see limbs grow. I don't need to see miracles. I don't need to see healings. I need to see you in your word more clearly every day. That's what I need. The miracle of your word in and of itself is enough. It is all sufficient. Hallelujah. And it is absolutely perfect. Father, I pray that you would put a desire in my heart.
I pray that you would put a desire in our hearts, Lord God, that we would be desperate for your word, desperate for it, for it Lord God, <clears throat> that we might make it a part of us, that every decision that we make is influenced by your word. Hallelujah. We thank you. We praise you. I pray that you would allow every, each and every one of us traveling mercies so that we would get home safely. I pray, Father God, that if it is going to rain again, that you would hold it till the last person gets home. We ask it in the precious, the glorious, the mighty, the majestic, the amazing and matchless name of the King of glory, the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Buenas noches, everybody.